Okay. Uh, what is the distinction between equanimity as a Brahma Vihara and equanimity as a factor of awakening? Mm. <laughs> uh. mm. They sound like the same thing, don't they? Equanimity as a Brahma Vihara, equanimity as a factor of awakening. Um, I think it's the way you use them, same quality. Um, as a factor of awakening, it's uh, it's uh, a quality that you that is being used um, to you know, to to eliminate or to to work against the, the stirrings of the mind. With equanimity as a Brahma Vihara, it, it's a place that you stay. It's more a domain that you stay in. Word for latent tendency is anutsaya. Anutsaya. Yeah, it sounds like nutsia. But A, <laughs> A is in apple, N as in nut, U as in uber. <laughs> S is in Samuel, A is in Apple, Y is in uh, Yacht, and A is in Apple, Anutsaya, latent tendency. Uh, and there are uh, listed as seven latent tendencies, but there seems to be a few occasionally making other appearance. So, latent tendency towards ill will, towards sense desire, towards conceit, views, and opinions, towards becoming towards ignorance. So these are proclivities, if you know what I mean, tendencies um, that uh, may not be in evidence. So the image that sometimes used is rather like, uh, you know, ruts, ruts in the ground, dry rut, or like, a, like a gulch or a valley, which is dry. And you think, oh, that's no problem. Then the rain comes down, and there's a flood, and it runs down those those tracks, those those ruts, those valleys, and it floods. And the flooding is called asawa. So then, then that asawa races down these tendencies that are already there, get flare up. You know, so it's you know you have a, a tendency, and then the asawa run down that like a river. And they cut it a bit deeper. So the more you act upon it, the deeper and deeper that anutsaya gets. And so fundamental practice is to, you know, fill in, is to not have the asava flowing down that, you know, and to begin to then the anutsaya, and also to then fill in that 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 um, that tendency. Because all these latent tendencies are based upon not knowing or not having experienced, or the jitta not, you know, coming into its fullness. It's it's it's, it's sort of hampered and, and scarred. So the process of cleansing and purification is a healing process. Yesterday, did I say it wasn't possible to uproot hindrances? I said jhana doesn't uproot hindrances. Jhana doesn't uproot hindrances. It 
it um, quietens them down or it pushes them aside and then but then when you come out of jhana then they pop up again so but they can be uprooted through wisdom they're uprooted through wisdom and how is that done um, when the mind is strong fortified confident courageous has faith has all these resources in it then the hindrance is explored at its root um, so this is what Ajahn Mahabur was doing his 10 hours sitting doing so his main practice was this investigation of where where do these things pop up where in the chitta how do these things pop up you know because he, he could have very strong concentration and then whenever the concentration lapsed these hindrances would pop up again so he said this yeah concentration's good but it's not digging this stuff out so then he turned more towards wisdom investigation and Lumpur Chah very much the same thing he would just think, a lot of inquiry a lot of investigation and so, you know, when you inquire, you look into what triggers a hindrance. So it's the sight, that sight triggers it. Um, and, then you, and then you also notice where it arises in the heart. When it arises in the heart. So you've got to be pretty quick to get to the place where it arises. And it arises at the point of contact. Contact. Something touches. And then it jumps out. So you want to use your... When the mind is cultivated, you can begin to open these textures where it goes right into the place of contact. Normally, people don't see that. They're just immediately reacting and formulating. So immediately, we don't even really notice where we've been, where it's coming from. It comes a place of contact, and then something jumps up. Why does it jump? What is it jumping up for? It's jumping up because... There's the idea that this will be pleasing, or this is important, or this is myself, or this will be stable. These kind of, not verbal messages, but beliefs that the jitter jumps out. Oh, that will be pleasant, so it jumps out. Uh, you know, I'll get rid of that, so it jumps out. I'll have one of those, it jumps out. I mean, clearly I'm being very simplistic here. And then, but then with the wisdom saying no it's not that's not pleasant you know, that's, you know, you know what you're going to do you jump out you're going to get tangled up again so it just keeps turning back to that place of contact where meaning gets established okay now contact with contact is the arising of perception and feeling with contact is the arising of perception and feeling. So what, we, what am I talking about? You see something with your eyes and then that hits the visual consciousness and then, oh, that's, right, that's, you know, I don't know, whatever it is, a sheep or a person or a car. That first microsecond, you could say, or... And then the name comes up, the meaning comes up. Okay, so you know, it jumps up. First of all, in visual consciousness, there's just the sight. And then the meaning jumps up. You see what I mean? 
you might see somebody walking along the road and it's dark. There's somebody out there. Is it a bear? Oh no, it's a human. And then that, oh, human. Right? First of all, you didn't know what it was. You might have felt a little bit anxious or uncertain. Something's walking there out in the dark. Oh, it's a human. So, pop, meaning comes up. Human. And then maybe, oh, what is it? A friend or foe or what? Shall be, and then some agitation. And, oh, no, it's so and so. Oh, yes, I feel happy. <laughs> so, each of those different meanings, different perceptions arise, mental impressions arise, okay? You see what I mean? That's what I mean, that the jumping out, the arising of meaning. And that can vary, you know, you could see something and you, first of all, you, you don't know what it is, so you feel rather nervous. Then, oh, it's so-and-so you, you, that you know and recognise and you feel confident. And then you remember, oh dear, I had an argument with them the other day, you know, you feel uncertain again. So the moods can shift and actually all that's happening, your chitta is generating these meanings, impressions and emotions and responses what is really a visual impression a visual impression right now it's just the visual impression it's just light and dark it's just a shape right you know you see a the curvy line on on the ground it's a snake it's a snake no no it's it's, it's a it's an old it's a, it's a it's a piece of rope oh it's a piece of rope what happened to the snake You pick it up. Oh no, it's an electric cable. <laughs> what happened to the piece of rope? So this is perception. And the mind creates that perception. And the jitter responds to what the mind has created. The jitter only responds to what the mind has created. It doesn't see anything. It doesn't hear anything. It doesn't taste anything. It always takes its message from what manas delivers. A manas scans something, interprets it, plops it in the jitta. Right? And, you know, people can be biased and prejudiced, you know, uh, about many things, you know, discrimination. Don't like to look at that guy, he's one of those. Manas creates fear people. Uh, People we, we fear just because we're not, you know, get national discrimination, racial discrimination, based just on, you know, established perceptions and reactions. And of course, the perceptions of yourself that pop in, arise, you know. Comparing yourself with others, comparing yourself with what you should be, could be, ought to be. So these pop up. Maybe you sit in meditation, you sit quietly, maybe you get, come sit down, maybe four or five seconds you're sitting. Oh, that's all right, then it's nice, relax, sit there, and then, then it starts. Right, it's supposed to be meditating. No, I can't do it. You know. Oh, self creation starts as soon as you close your eyes. <laughs> creating a self who should be something isn't something is going to make something happen mind created and uh, and then there's all kinds of reactions to that 
So, cut a long story short, the contact, the moment that the manas touches the jitta with its message, uh, before the hindrance jumps out, you say, what's that is only an impression, not permanent, not true, not self. And you withdraw the chitta's energy from that, and that's what causes that hindrance to fall away. So that's how they're uprooted. Someone asked about the role of the formless realms in developing. Uh, so he says, Ajahn Man said, Dharma penetrated every cell of the body. Investigation of Dharma should always include the body. What's the place of the formless realms in terms of developing insight and freedom? Um, they're not necessary. And they, they can be places that the a person or a chitta can go to, but they're not necessary. They have no particular place in terms of insight or liberation. Mm. They're kind of like... Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're obviously you have to be very, very skillful and refined to, to, to uh, arrive at those places, but you don't need to. <laughs> Do you know there's enough meta, and the mind is ready to go to the formless realms? <laughs> well, you don't know. It either does or it doesn't. Uh, you know, if you've got the choice, then you have the capacity to do so. Firstly, I can't say, well, I think I'll go to the formless realms or not. You know, the mind doesn't have the capacity or the interest or the range. If it did, it, it would. Mm. Just another sort of clarification question. Where does Vedana fit in with manas, mano? Mm. Uh, Vedana feeling tone, quality of agreeable or disagreeable, is a, it's a jitta experience. Um, so mm, mm, jitta feels, manas, mano, manas doesn't feel. Manas triggers feeling by touching the jitta. So when it touches the jitta with a perception, feeling arises. Yeah. So, um, you know, the two people might you know, be walking along and someone sees a, a bird and they oh, it's so wonderful. That perception bird touches their jitta, they feel happy. Another person sees the bird and thinks, so what, it's just a bird. <laughs> they don't get the same fresh and feeling so different people's manos concoct different objects same bird one person is a source of delight another person is a source of dinner another person is interested the same bird so manas concocts each manas each concocts a different perception and triggers a different kind of feeling based upon that perception self-respect talked about self-respect and it obviating removing the need to prove oneself can you talk more about the quality of self-respect 
um, that when we encounter other people there can be a gripping or, or a, I imagine that's to do with anxiety or tension when we meet other people how can we um, navigate that um, when we're quite comfortable on our own how do we navigate encountering other people without resorting acting on emotion or trying to prove oneself how to practice being with others or maintaining the composure that one can obtain alone mm. well it's great to hear that you can find some composure on your own that's lovely and uh, uh, and that's something you can feel pleased by not everybody can do that and we take the opportunity to value what we what is there for us mm. one can be collected and content on one's own that's quite a, a beautiful uh, experience that's to be acknowledged mm. this sense of really you know assessing what may seem normal to yourself but uh, is not none, none of us are normal by that we're all normal you know we're all strange as <laughs> normal um, and so to be able to actually look at or recognize or bring to light the places we are not getting restless annoyed angry confused you know when you're in a quality of goodwill is, is happening uh, we're able to maintain virtuous attitudes this is what builds up self-respect to linger in your own virtues and, and skills and to make much of them not from a place of pride but just the place of being factual this this quality arises this quality doesn't arise you know the feeling the sense of guilt or regret doesn't arise oh how wonderful how wonderful that my mind is not obsessed with guilt and regret other people's minds are obsessed with guilt and regret then you linger in that and it gives you this you know it's called self-respect but it's a certain strengthening you know, confidence and strengthen it and meeting others uh, it's naturally there's for most people that it's appropriate to be a slight nervous ripple because you know it's a tricky business meeting other people <laughs> you know we don't really know what where they're at or what they're going to be like how can you know that and even someone you know quite well you don't know what mood he or she is going to be in today so we have to go a little bit slowly and negotiate contact yeah. so that but you can do it i think the problem comes when you imagine you should be immediately as soon as you see someone you've got to be completely there you know and and so when you're trying to get some manif some appearance that looks convincing like hi hey great to see you you know well not really not yet <laughs> i'm getting there so you know that you should come in fully endowed with all the right sayings and all the right expressions and the right manifestations and look good and feel good and then it makes you really tense but perhaps you don't need to people don't ex shouldn't expect it of you you can't you should come with a 
well, how are you? And how's this? And see how you let it come together slowly. And have the confidence that that's, that's the proper way to do it. You shouldn't be bluffing. Um, so we, we experience that. We experience that nervous energy. And just, you know, find your body. Uh, steady yourself in your body. Soles of your feet, your legs, your back. Steady yourself in that. Take a breath. And then, well, whoever he or she is, let the heart open out of anxiety. Training yourself like that. Well, whatever, I have no ill will. You know, move away from ill will or nervousness. They purify the heart. Drop the sense that you have to be perfect. You have to be something for somebody else. This is impossible. But you can you know, bring the heart into alignment with goodness and proceed from there. And, uh, and then you negotiate the contact with the other person. Right? How are you? What's happening? And is this right? Or is that right? right? Let me know. And is this the right time? Uh, is this the right place? How are you doing? And you sort of do a little bit of to and fro until you can find a place where you fit. Uh, naturally, it's not composed. Maybe not that composed, but but the heart. You know, you come into a different experience, so you've got to find your way in that. Then it can be not so much composed, but it, be, it really very fruitful. You know, because you learn and you feel your heart your energies open up, and you learn something, and it's it's fluid, intelligent. And other people are the most, um, this is where you really learn. You learn about your own reactions and you learn how other people see things. So it's an exceptionally uh, important place to develop. So let's take a, a break now.